Good morning, everybody. How many had a good Thanksgiving? How many had a bad Thanksgiving? Be honest. Okay, a few hands. How many had a so-so Thanksgiving? Both hands. Can we see both hands if you had a so-so? See this, see this signal? This is a signal that Wazoo people did not like on Friday when Washington scored too many touchdowns. Yeah, okay. Got that out. Um, <laughs> I want to thank Kurt for allowing me the privilege of speaking this morning. Um, I think this is seven out of eight times or eight out of nine times that I've been here to uh, share with you on Thanksgiving. Um, Give to the fund for the staff, would you, for Christmas? Give to the fund for the staff. I've been on staffs before where um, it's a real, it's, it's, it's timely for them to get a gift. Kurt and Julie have been through a lot these last few years, have they not? And so um, make sure you keep them in prayer. So I'm, I'm just thankful for them. And happy Thanksgiving, but here's the first Sunday of Advent. Uh, Pam, thank you for uh, doing O Come, o Come Emmanuel. I love that song as a first Sunday of Advent. Uh, four Sundays leading up to Christmas, right? Four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Uh, so I'm just gonna say this once. Kurt has the, um, Kurt likes to do this time and time again, but I'm just gonna do it once and ask for the response. Merry Christmas. See, Kurt, I can do it too. I want to talk to you this morning. Um, Kathy gave a word from Revelation that talked about surrender. I believe that that word is the one I was looking for, that Kurt and I were looking for as we, uh, as I went through the preach call on Wednesday with him, the practice. I think that's the word we were looking for. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the surrender of a man named Joseph. Not in the Old Testament, the Joseph of the New Testament who was Mary's husband. He kind of gets the designation as Mr. Mary, <laughs> doesn't he? Because he kind of gets forgotten. And it's about his surrender. And it's also, a, I'm going to tell you a story. It's story time. My kids love story time in class because that usually means that we're not going to do anything for the day. But this is not, <laughs> by the way, I don't do that. Uh, but this is story time. I'd like to talk to you a, a story about my surrender to the Lord in something. Um, Maureen and I had been married, I think, what, 17, 18 years, and we had three kids. Josh um, Foss is his name. He came into our lives in 1992. Come in. Is it coming in? Is it not working? Okay, well, it's not working. Uh, so we had Matt. He was our oldest, and then Tracy. There they are. Tracy's there, there's Matt, my firstborn, there's Josh, and there's Drew. <laughs> Wasn't he cute? <laughs> Sorry, Drew. Was, isn't he cute? I should have said that. Um, <laughs> but there was three of us, you know, three of those kids, and Maureen and I, and then there was Josh. Josh came into our lives, um, I believe he was in eighth grade. He was Matt's best friend in school, same year as Matt in school. Uh, Matt was his biggest advocate, by the way. Uh, we knew Josh and his mom and his two brothers from church. Um, they'd gone to church with us for a few years, and um, she remarried. And it looked like a good fit for about a year with the boys being the step to the stepdad. And she came to us at one point. Josh's mom came to us at one point, and she said, uh, sorry. I, I, I fear for his safety. Could he come and live with you? 
And, you know, my response immediately, since she was Matt's best friend, and, um, was yes, he can come and live with us. And, um, you know, you say yes to these things sometimes, <laughs> then the other stuff happens, right? And, you know, Josh was, he was not like my other kids. He was loud, he was brash, he chewed with his mouth open. <laughs> you, got, you know people like that? Um, he smelled like a locker room most days because he liked to play every sport that the, that the school uh, would give him, uh, which meant we had to ferry him back and forth all the time. And um, he just was different. And he kind of wasn't fitting my profile. More times than not, I'd have to say, Josh, don't do that. Josh, don't do that. Josh, you know, he's in my class, and he was not doing well in my class. And I was always on him about homework. He just didn't fit the profile of a Thatcher kid. And at one point, you know, I mean, we loved him. Maureen really loved him, just like he was her own. I'm serious. And I love Josh, too. But at one point, he did something pretty severe when he was a junior in high school. And um, I sent him back to his mom's house. And I said, you're not coming back until I hear from the Lord. You got it? <laughs> Give me a week and, you know, I'll get back to you. And he would call every night. Can I come home? Well, it's not can, it's may I come home. Strike one, Josh. No. Um, <laughs> but, you know, he called every night. Can I come? You are home. You just wait, okay? You just wait. So the very last day of that week, I went to have my quiet time on Saturday, which was extended quiet time, and I was waiting on the Lord. I said, Lord, should he come back? Because I think this is detrimental to our family. What should I do? And I waited, and I waited, and I waited. I fully expected to hear something, but I thought to myself, if I don't hear something, he's staying with his mom, see? Boy, how great was that? How spiritual was that, huh? If I don't get an answer, God, that's compliance on your part that you want him to stay there. And I waited. And it must have been 15, 20 minutes in. And I heard an audible to my heart. Not to my ear, but to my heart. You're his guardian, not his parent. You know, Lord, while I have you on the line, there's a couple other things I need that direct an answer on. <laughs> Can you give me a direct answer on those as well? But that was, I mean, that was God's word. You're, you're his guardian, not his parent. And I began to wonder what that meant. I began to reflect on what that meant. Lord, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, it was about being his protection, about being his shield, about engaging him as a family member and safeguarding his life and welfare. It wasn't about whether he fit the Thatcher family profile. In fact, I liked him even better. I liked him even better, knowing that I was his guardian. You know, it kind of took some, it lifted some responsibility off of me, but it also put something else on me, on us, as his guardian. After high school, Josh joined the Coast Guard, and he had some initial problems, like having to go to rehab by the time he was 20. 
But after getting out of rehab, he came back and he visited with us while he was on leave. He was on his way to Oklahoma City. Where, by the way, where, why Oklahoma City for the Coast Guard? <laughs> well, that's just landlocked, right? Well, Coast, uh, the Coast Guard stuff goes through Oklahoma City. All requisitions, all orders and so forth go through Oklahoma City. So Josh is going to Oklahoma City and he said to Maureen, he rededicated his life to the Lord, by the way. He said to Maureen, he said, I feel like I'm going to my life. Isn't that cool? I thought, yeah, right, you're going to your life. You know, look what you, oh man, I'm so negative. God help me. I'm such a, I'm such a law person, not a grace person. How many law people do we have in here? Like how did David get away with that kind of thing? You know, I mean, but he met this wonderful girl, Alyssa, in uh, Oklahoma City. Then they, he got orders to Alaska. In 2009, he was named Coast Guardsman of the Year. You get that? He's the MVP of the Coast Guard. Of all the Coast Guard, he's the MVP. Josh. Josh? He was the youngest to make chief in the Coast Guard. He got the highest score on the chief's test. And due to the difficulty of the duty stations at which he was placed, he was able to retire after 18 years and got credit for 20. Wow. Next one there, I'm not getting it. Whatever it is. Okay, thanks. There's Josh. There's Lily, there's Rose, and there's Josh's wife, Alyssa. Man. Josh invited us. Ha! I, I, I knew I was going to cry. I knew it. Josh invited us to his graduation there at Western Baptist Theological Seminary to get his master's degree in leadership and ministry, right? He introduced us as his parents. He introduced us as his mom and dad. And I thought about, I thought back to what God told me. You're his guardian, not his parent. After that word from the Lord, I protected and proceeded to be Josh's guardian to look out for him. Yet Josh sees us as his parents because of the love and the care and the protection we gave him all those years ago. We were guardians of the heart of Joshua Joseph. Isn't that interesting? Much as Joseph was the guardian of the heart and the life of Jesus Christ. God is faithful to bring about what he says he'll do. God developed the life of Jesus in Josh while he was with us. That's why he sees us as mom and dad. And that was so key that God would say, you're his guardian and not his parent. But see how God reversed that? in Josh's heart and life, these are really my parents because of what they gave me. When I reflect on Josh and all that God did, I think about Joseph, Mary's husband. It's easy to miss Joe in the Christmas story, isn't it? Kind of like I said, you know, he was like Mrs. Mary. I mean, when you think about what Mary said that, you know what, having Jesus after this, all generations will call me blessed. Well, where's that put Joe? Where does that put Joe on the scale? But you know, Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew didn't miss Joe. In fact, Joe is the primary player in the beginning of the gospel. Just after the begats, you know, 
the begats, and, which means the father of, the father of, the father of. Just after the begats, in the first, and, and in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Matthew, Joseph is the main focus. Yes, Mary's there. Yes, the wise men are there. Yes, Herod is there. But Joseph is the main focus of those first two chapters. I don't think he gets enough credit in some ways, and I'm not sure he would want it. Um, it says that, the Bible says that he was a righteous man, and we'll get to that, but he was also a gracious man, don't you think? He and Mary were engaged, which means everything except living together and being intimate. They were engaged. He heard that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Now, how would you respond if you were a guy? Really? You're what? <laughs> what happened again? Tell me one more time. And did he hear it from Mary, or did he hear it from a friend who heard it from a friend who... Heard it from, yeah, you get what I'm saying? Did he hear it from his mom and dad? Did he hear it from Mary's mom and dad? Where did he hear it first? I think he was fairly gracious when you think that he could have had Mary brought to trial and seen her stoned to death, but instead he decided he put her away quietly. You know, we've been studying and surveying the Old Testament in these sermons these last few months, and we've been looking at individuals in the Old Testament, and now here comes Joseph. He's really the first guy that God plants and pegs and taps to be a prototype of a believer in the New Testament. Jesus is the way. I get that. I think Joseph was a bridge. He stands between the Old Testament of the promises of God and what you could become in, when the Messiah is there, and he also looks like a New Testament guy because of his faith. He's kind of the bridge. I love that. First person that God named, first, the first one, it says he's a righteous man, and he was picked to be Jesus' earthly dad. I would say that that's fairly exemplary, don't you? There's an example for us to follow that, that he believed. He didn't argue like Zechariah did. Hey, how's this going to work? When he was in the temple and the angel said, you're going to have a son. You've been praying for a son, you and Elizabeth. How's that going to work? Maureen says, that'll be on my tombstone. <laughs> How is this going to work? Yeah, because I often will ask that. I'll seek the Lord and he'll give me something. Well, how's that going to work? Now, with Josh's, you know, the guardian thing with Josh, I never asked about how that was going to work, okay? I want to look at Joseph and two of the dreams because Joseph reminds me of the kind of person that God promised in Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I see that as Joseph. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to show us how Jesus can be secured and developed in us, to show us how a word from God can guard and secure and develop our faith and dependence upon him. That's where we're going this morning. And Josh Morris has agreed to pray. Isn't that nice? Thanks, Josh. So appreciate you and Justine. Lift up another church. Lift up the sermon. Thanks, Adam, for doing that earlier. And would you please pray for Kurt and Julie and their family? Thanks. Father, thank you. Thank you that we get to be here today to hear the word that you've developed in Greg's heart. Father, lead Greg as he speaks. Thank you, Lead Lord. him to uh, speak the words that you've, the heart that you want him to speak, the spirit that you want him to speak, Father, and let our hearts be open not only to receive, but to respond, Father. Um, Father, thank you for Eastside Foursquare. Thank you that 
um, you've placed them where they are. And I just ask that you would lead them this season to, to reach your people, to bring people to you, Father, this season. Thank you. And I don't remember the other thing you asked me to pray for. Kurt and Julie. Kurt and Julie. And their family. Father, thank you for Kurt and Julie. Thank you that they get to be with family right now. And I just ask that you would um, let this be a time of healing and of uh, renewal in their hearts and in their families' lives and relationships. Holy Spirit, lead them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's take a look at Matthew 1, starting with verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, confirmation for Joseph, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This is a dream about intervention. Don't break it off with Mary. I know you're thinking about it, but don't break it off with Mary. Joseph's role was vital to the human development of the Son of God. This intervention, this intervening, was essential to Jesus' life, mission, sacrifice, God's promise to Israel as a, of a Messiah to Israel, for us as a Savior. <laughs> no, no pressure, Joe. <laughs> no pressure. Just make sure you take care of the kid. Man. I think of when Maureen and I had to make out a will in case the both of us died about who would take our children while they were still minor kids. Wow, what a decision that was for God to entrust to Joseph and to Mary the life of his son. In taking Jesus as your savior, you belong to the most high God. The life of Christ inside of you and I is as important to the Father as that of Jesus as he was growing up with Joseph and Mary. If you've received the Lord as your Savior, he sees you in the same way. He doesn't feel sorry for you. He knew that that was the only way that you could be reconciled to him, to have the life of his son given for you, and you take him as a savior. That's how jealous is God is about us. He's the same way about Jesus inside of us, the life of Christ inside of us, and what he wants to see accomplished in the life of, of this church, of his church at large, of his kids. That's the kind of investment that's so important to God. I, I hope you see that. I hope you see that God wants to secure the life of his son in us. I love to hear testimonies about people, whether they're missionaries on the mission field or people who are close to me that were up against it, backs to the wall, not knowing what to do. Maybe they got into that situation by themselves, maybe they did nothing, but they were in that situation and they had nowhere else to turn. And God steps in. And God steps in. This is the same thing here with Joseph and Mary. He was gonna divorce her. What kind of a life would that have been for Jesus? 
That wasn't the father's will. Instead, Joseph obeyed. God intervened and Joseph obeyed. What a great story. Maybe you're up against it this morning. I know two years ago, Maureen and I were up against something and I didn't know how God was going to deliver us. And we had done nothing wrong. But it was a situation where I, I didn't know where to turn. I didn't know how he would deliver. I knew he would, but I was in the middle of it. You ever been in the middle of it? When you're going through hell, don't stop, that kind of thing. If you catch hell, don't hold it. If you're going through hell, don't stop. Man, how are you going to solve this, Lord? Are you up against it this morning? Are you? I think Joseph felt that way. He was up against it. What's going to happen? And the Lord has said this, say to those with fearful hearts out of Isaiah 35, 4, be strong and do not fear. He's coming to save you. He's coming to save you. He'll take care of it for you. You may need an answer this morning. The situation seems desperate. Let's pray for you right now. Let's pray for you right now. If that's you, you need an answer. You don't need to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm just going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for us. Lift up your, yourself to God, your life to God, your situation to it. Father, in Jesus' name, come and save us. Lord, in Jesus' name, come and intervene. Lord, in this, teach us what you want us to learn. But Lord, help us to trust you and to rely on you to come and save us, to intervene right now. God, we're going to trust you for it. Especially in this season, Lord, You've given us plenty of gifts. It would be yet another gift to see you intervene, Father. Intervene because you love who we are. You love us, God. Your great love was shown on the cross. The everlasting love shown, God, in the resurrection of Jesus. Come and save us in Jesus' name. So the intervention of God teaches us to rely upon him. It teaches us to rely upon him. Let's take a look at uh, the second dream. I'm going to explain, go backwards just a little bit after this, okay? Matthew 2. Now after they, the wise men, had gone, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, get up, tenderly take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you otherwise. For Herod intends to search for the child in order to destroy him. Talk about up against it. And having risen, he took the child and his mother by night and withdrew to Egypt and remained there until Herod's death. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I have called my son. Now let's back up a little bit. After God had spoken to Joseph in the dream about Mary and to take Mary as his wife, there was a census. He got married, by the way, to Mary. There was a census. They went to Bethlehem. They had Jesus and Bethlehem because there was a census and he had to go back to his, the place where he was, his descendants were from. He was from the line of David. Don't forget that. Really important to the story because uh, he told David, he never, God told David, there'd never be someone to, that would not sit on the throne. You will have a descendant that will sit on that throne. And ultimately, that's Jesus Christ, obviously. But they went to Bethlehem. They had the child in the manger. In the meantime, wise men from the east see a star, and they head towards Israel. 
and Mary and Joseph are there in Bethlehem. And the wise men show up in Jerusalem. And they knock at Herod's door. Herod the Great, he was called. And they said, uh, where is he who is born king of the Jews? Because we've come to worship him. Now, you have to understand, that must have been weird to Herod because he was named king of the Jews by the Roman government, by the emperor. He was given the title king of the Jews. And he thought about it for a minute, and he called his guys together. He was greatly troubled, and so was all of Jerusalem, Luke says. Sorry, Matthew says. And he says, where's the Messiah going to be born? He's Jewish. He should know this. <laughs> where's the Messiah going to be born? Bethlehem. Has to come from the line of David. That's the city of David. He has to come from Bethlehem. So he goes back to the wise men, and he says, tell you what, go, go see the child. And when you found him, come back and tell me, because I want to worship him too. Liar. Liar. The lawlessness and reckless monarchy of Herod was legendary. The emperor Tiberius Caesar once said it would be safer to be a pig in Herod's house than to be his son. He had one of his sons murder, I think maybe two, because they were a threat to his throne as a king of the Jews. He had a murderous personality. And being outwitted by the wise men, he wanted revenge. And he wanted to murder this other king of the Jews who would one day sit on the throne and reign forever and be our savior. And we cast our crowns down and we surrender and we say, you are the Lord of all. That wasn't gonna be Herod, that was gonna be Jesus. And he was after Jesus to murder him. Oh man, he's in the same category as Hitler and Stalin, Mao, and a number of other evil men who have been leaders. Joe was there. Joe was there with Mary, with, Joe, with Jesus. The wise men came. Joseph must have thought, this is great. This is awesome. Things are peaceful. Look at these wise men. They come here, they, they recognize, you know, it, conf it confirms everything I thought and I prayed about it and the angel said, yay. He probably thought about putting up a shingle, you know. Joseph and sons, carpenter. <laughs> Maybe he thought of, of a peaceful life and no. Joseph was unaware of any of this. The angel visits him after the wise men go, and he says, get up and get out. Now's the time. They fled at night. Whew. Herod was the reason why Joe's immediate obedience was so important. Hey, we get used to a routine, don't we? You know, we get up in the morning, have breakfast, take the kids to school, go to work, come home, uh, go to church on Sundays, hopefully, um, you know, we have devotions or whatever. We get into a routine. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with a godly routine, godly habits, nothing wrong with that. Making sure that the bills are paid, all those kinds of things. But when God steps in and says, do this now, we need to obey him. It's important to obey God, especially in a situation that calls for immediacy. If we've said yes to Jesus, then when he speaks, it's time to put our faith to work. And some, I, I know, I'm gonna talk about me. I'm lazy sometimes. I see something in the Bible or I hear something in church and I go, you know, you know, probably later that would be really good, but not right now. Maureen used to say that <laughs> delayed obedience is disobedience. Because if something sparks your heart by the Holy Spirit, we need to do it. 
We need to do it in the moment and when we, as soon as we can. It's important that we, ha- that we give God's word to us paramount importance. That means the first place, the first place every day. What he says we do, whether we understand it or not. Listen, I don't understand what I meant to be a guardian. What does that mean? I mean, I had a vague idea. But I put it to work with what I knew. Maureen and I put it to work with what we knew. We had our friends pray according to that, what we knew. What does that mean? Our obedience exemplifies to all that we belong to him. Joseph's obedience illustrated that he valued the son that he'd been given by God. There's a great quote by Oswald Chambers. How many read uh, My Utmost for His Highest? Anybody read that? You know, I used to think that's like for really spiritual people, and then I realized it was for really sinful people like me. (laughs) He said this, God's work can only be accomplished by giving up all your personal plans once and for all and by allowing God to take you directly into his purpose for the world. That you give it up. Obedience to God is essential to our faith, to our relationship with the Father, to have a living, growing relationship daily with him. We don't put it off for a few days and then come back to it, and put it off for a few weeks and then come back to it, and put it off kind of like that cycle we saw that Kurt showed us in the, in the Old Testament, like through Judges, that cycle that goes back and forth and back and forth and back and Listen, why would you turn off something if it was a daily flow of new, fresh water into your life? Why would you turn off the flow? Why do we do that? Why do we think, oh, you know, it's so good. I don't really, not really need God right now. You need him for every breath you take. We need him for every decision we're making. We need him for the things that are in the future as well as in the present. We need him right now. Man, Joseph's obedience was immediate and direct. I think that, I think we need to reflect Abraham in a real simple way. Abraham and God were having a discussion. Abram, before he was called Abraham here, Abram was having discussion with God. Abraham, Abram said, let my servant be the heir because I'm not having any kids, right? God said, no, that's not it. You're going to have a son. You're going to have descendants. They're going to be as numerous as the stars. Come out here and see if you can, if you can count the stars. They're going to be like that. And here was Abraham's response. Abram believed the Lord and God credited it to him, Abram, as righteousness. You talk about immediate. God showed him this and Abram went, okay. (laughs) Abram's obedience was immediate and so was God's promise to him. So when God intervenes, we need to obey. To obey in faith as Abram did is to connect with heaven. And to connect with his will and purposes in the here and now. Your kingdom come, we pray this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, there's a connection and there's a flow. Are you praying for that every day? Kurt talked about some of these things, these basics about devotions and community and service and all these things. That's just a basic walk. 
That's a basic walk. It shouldn't be like interrupted all the time. Oh, I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Okay, if you're gonna do those things, do them in Jesus' name. And if, you're not, if it's not something he wants, he'll redirect. He'll redirect. He did it with Joseph. He did it with Abraham. He'll do it with you and I because we're his kid, because the deposit of his son is here. The work of this Holy Spirit is here. Isn't that good to know? Isn't that good to know? Amen? Isn't that good to know? Yeah. I guess we had too much turkey or something. You know, I, I, I know that believers not, may not want to be the next Billy Graham or Christina Anderson or Lyle Hall, but I think all of us want to have impact and leave a legacy of faith and see God do boundless things in our families as well as our friends and even people we don't know yet. Maybe short-term missions. If we want to see God do great things in our lives, then this is a call to action today to be obedient to what God has asked us to do. He's not going to make you do it. You have, you've been equipped because of the Son of God in us. We've been equipped to do these things. Your past experiences, how you have walked and what you have seen God do in the past has equipped you for right now. Well, this seems insurmountable. Then good, because it wasn't meant for you to do by yourself anyway. <laughs> How's this going to work? And that's human too. By the way, God even understands that. <laughs> Don't worry, son. Trust me. Yeah, but... He comes through, doesn't he? What stories will our family and friends tell us about when we're gone and how we trusted God and followed him, when we trusted him in prayer and in faith, when things were difficult? Stories of faith like that are just awesome, aren't they? Don't you love to hear things like that, how God stepped in and somebody obeyed and great things happened? Way, way better than we could have ever thought or dreamed of. Eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Those things that God has prepared for those who love him. Do you love him this morning? Jesus said, greater things are you going to do because I go to the Father. Do we believe that? I'm not sure I do most times. But that's what he said. Man, it's time to believe him. Abram believed the Lord, and God credited it to him as righteousness. Are we connecting with him on a daily basis? Well, where do I start? This is really nice words, Greg, where do I start? Well, let's start someplace that's pretty easy. Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other, great, no other commandment is greater than these. If I really love God, and I know that he really loves me, I can turn around and love my neighbor as myself. That's just two sides of the same coin, isn't it? This is a coin I got from an Egyptian kid that was in my class last year. I don't carry it as a good luck piece. I carry it to remind me to pray for him. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It's two sides of the same coin. It's about love. Can you do that? Because see, he's already in there. He's already in there working a good work in you. You can love your neighbor. You can. 
You can love him with everything that you are. Surrender it to him. Surrender is a good word for this morning. Oh my gosh, that's a good word for this morning. Well, that's not quite simple enough for me. Well, okay, let's try another one. Micah 6, 8. Oh, people, the Lord has told you what is good, and this is what he requires of you. To do what is right, justly. To love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Let me flesh that out for you. When I was before God, God, what, 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 what do I do here? I'm not his dad. My other kids are watching this, Lord. My family's watching this. The community where I'm a pastor is seeing this. How do I proceed? If a man can't control his own household, how can he control the house of God? That's Paul's instruction to Timothy. I'm not making light of it. Josh seemed out of control. You know, he's not mine. How do I proceed? My convictions as a dad was to be all that I could be to my children and to not lead them astray. And here was Josh. But God spoke to me. He's, you're his guardian, not his parent. So we did justly. We did what was right. Josh was to stay with us and we were to protect him from danger in our family. We loved mercy. I went to bat for him. Listen, I almost lost my job over this. I'm not kidding. As a teacher in the school, Josh was supposed to get the discount that my family got for tuition, and the administration of that place would not give it to us. And I got into this argument with a superintendent <laughs> in front of God and everybody, and somebody took my arm and they said, you better remember who hires you and fires you. I, you don't know what this kid's been through. Do you understand me? Way to go, Greg. <laughs> but you know what? I, will, I wanted to be merciful. I loved him despite the differences that we had. And we walked humbly. Man, I'm telling you, we kept ourselves before the Lord listening for further instructions, asking for family and friends to pray for us, for our whole family. Because see, I love all my family. My kid, each one of my kids has got some story, believe me. But Josh's kind of stood out to me as I thought about the coming days of Advent, and we're in it right now. We didn't ask God how it was gonna work, we just did it. Take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes it's that easy, and we don't know how it's gonna work. And we need to take up our cross and do what we know to do and trust God for the rest, because he'll come through. He'll intervene. He'll intervene. I assure you, he will intervene on your behalf because he loves us. How about the practical things we could do? Yeah, it's Christmas time. By the way, did you know that emotional gifts are better than um, uh, more meaningful gifts than monetary stuff? I mean, I heard that study the other day. Um, this is a book by Charles, in, in a book by Charles Swindoll called Growing Strong. This is what Swindoll says. By the way, I'm not a fan, <laughs> but some of this stuff is really good. Some gifts you can give this Christmas are beyond monetary value. Mend a quarrel. Dismiss suspicion. Tell someone I love you. Give something away anonymously. Forgive someone who has treated, who, who has treated you wrong. Turn away wrath with a soft answer. Visit someone in a nursing home. Apologize if you were wrong. Be especially kind to someone with whom you work. Do you work with difficult people? I do. I do. Give as God gave you in Christ without obligation or announcement or reservation or hypocrisy. 
Now, there's something for the church to chew on. To do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Listen, when the practical, sorry, when the spiritual meets the practical, it's powerful. When the spiritual meets the practical, it's powerful. And you don't have to say a word. If you live it out, it's powerful. And people see it. And what is different about you? Well, if you're asking me, let me tell you. If you're not asking me, I'll just keep living it out. Quite simply, this was summarized by John the Baptist. Hey, John, somebody's being more popular than you. He's getting more people baptized. You know that guy you pointed out as the Lamb of God? He and his disciples are doing way more than we're doing. And this is what John said. This cousin. It's necessary for him, Jesus, to increase and for me to be diminished. As Joseph was the bridge between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we become the bridge because of the life of Jesus in us so that his kingdom can come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Once Joseph understood his role in nurturing and developing the life of Christ, Joseph committed the rest of it and depended on the Father for what he needed. I'm glad Joseph's in the Bible. How about you? Joseph made sure to secure and develop the life of Jesus by the will of the Father and were to do the same. See, the life of Jesus was in the midst of Mary and Joseph's family. And the life of Jesus is right in the middle here of who we are, if we've asked him in. Great things can happen. Maybe you don't know him this morning. Great things can happen. Ask him in. Ask him in. Give me your, give me your questions. Give me your doubts. That's okay. He's not phased by any of those things. Our part is to simply obey him. He'll come and save you. He'll do it. But will you obey him? Stay close to him so you can hear him clearly so that the life and legacy of Jesus that you leave will speak loudly, just like Joseph's life. Boy, don't we need that, especially in this Christmas season. Grace seems to be so absent in the society that we're in. The church seems to be diminishing in America and in other places it seems to be flourishing in the world, but it's diminishing here, it seems like, at least the influence of the church. But Jesus still loves the church, amen? That means he loves us. He loves us as individuals and he loves us as a group, the body of Christ, because the building's not it, we're it. By the way, the two other dreams that Joseph had besides the intervention and the immediate one, the other two were informational and intentional. Kurt said I could talk about those, but I'm not gonna do that this morning. Just kidding. But those, <laughs> you were afraid that I was gonna continue, weren't you? Um, those two are, are, are for homework for you. I love giving homework. Um, <laughs> those are four dreams, right, that Joseph had. Those could be the Advent Sunday studies for you. That'd be a real cool Advent study to see that in those four areas. I want to end in prayer. Before we take communion, I want, I want to do this. Would you bow your heads with me and just put your hand over your heart? Lord, how can I better connect my heart to yours?
Just one, just one area, God. I know what you spoke to me, Lord, but to every person that's here, Holy Spirit, individualize this. Lord, what's one thing I can do to better connect my heart to yours? Every day. Every day. Holy Spirit, right into our hearts right now. And Lord, what can I do to serve others so that your kingdom will come and your will be done? Lord, my obedience to what you tell me right now is my gift to you this Christmas. Because I really, truly want to celebrate the life of your son in my life. So Lord, how can I best connect with you? What's that one thing? And Lord, what's that one thing that I can do better to present who your son is to the world that I live in? Is it doing justly? Is it loving mercy? Is it to walk more humbly with you, Lord? Because it's time, God, for us to say that we don't know it all. We know you. <laughs> Lord, you make all the difference. God, when I look at Josh's life, you made all the difference. Lord, when I look at Joseph and Mary's life, you made all the difference. So Lord, come and make that difference this year as we connect with you every day and as we walk out who you want us to be to the world to be who you want us to be as your church, as your son, as your daughter. It's that personal, Lord. Lord, we want to live in the flow of the Spirit. But Lord, we can't ignore you. How dare, Lord, I ignore you. Just like you got Joseph's attention, Lord, and he obeyed you. Get our attention, Lord, and have us obey you.